from the Diocese of Gallup, welcome to Closure Cast. I'm Suzanne Hemmons, Director of Communications, and as always with me is your host, Bishop James Wall. Bishop Wall, how are you this afternoon? I am okay. How are you doing? Good. Just okay? Just okay. I'm good. Yeah. I well, remember when I was in Spain on one of my Caminos, and I spoke with two men who only spoke Spanish, and they both told me that they only knew one word in English. And when I told them I was an American, and they both said the word was okay. <laughs> so that's, I think that's what people think that we as Americans say a lot, which we do. And so that's why I said it was okay. Well, I think that one and no are sort of universally used. Exactly. You know, so. And so it could be speaking Spanish and saying no. Yep, and people will understand. Um, today we want to talk about... Downton Abbey, which is, I believe, one of your favorites, or at least your mom's. Oh, wait, no, your mom didn't want to watch it. No, my mom won't watch it. She doesn't like anything that doesn't seem to have an end Mm. to it. So she she likes programs to kind of um, start and finish in the same thing, or that they finish at the end of one season. Oh, I gotcha. Okay, well, so it's one of your favorite. And I love love cliffhangers. I love things to... uh, Things to kind of go on and on and on. Yeah. Well, and speaking of that, I realize we're kind of late to this because it's been a couple of years since it's been off the air. But, um, you know, that means that people just had ample warning. If we spoil anything in this, it's your own fault for not watching it. Yes. You know, it's been on. Anyway, but yeah, spoiler alert for something, things we might discuss. So um, why don't we start at the beginning? How did you first get into Downton Abbey? So a good friend of mine, Archbishop Paul Coakley, the Archbishop of Oklahoma City, uh, recommended that I that I watch it, and um, you know I somewhat like BBC programs, but I was uh, I just didn't seem interested at first. But he he persuaded me to uh, to watch it, and so I did. And um, some things it takes you a few episodes to get hooked. I was hooked at the end of the first episode. Yeah, and. So you watched it from every season there on out, and I don't remember exactly. I think I must have gotten into it about the second or third season it was out, and then kind of caught up. Um, and so, what drew you to it? Um, what's what spoke to you about Downton Abbey? Well, um, you at the very beginning, you know, the thing that starts it off is uh, is the the wreck of the the uh, Titanic, and the Downton Abbey, who was uh, the person who was supposed to be the heir. Uh, to the place he ends up dying and the problem is uh, uh, the uh, Lord Grantham uh, he has no uh, male heir that he that he knows of and he has three daughters and that kind of starts it all off and then they they discover that there is a male heir Matthew and he and his mother um, who's a great character and uh, she they come to live and so it all it all kinds of start starts it off from there and there's intrigue, and there's, um, you know, this person likes this person, this person doesn't like that person. You have your very good people, and then you have your evil people working behind the scenes. And I love all those things. I think it's kind of fascinating. Right. And it spans, um, so if it starts off, that's about 1912, was that when the Titanic wrecked? And then it spans through World War One. And kind of right up into, is it the early 1930s, I think? I think so. Yeah. That's how far it goes. Because we start to hear about the rise, the early rise of like the Nazi parties. There's rumors about it. So it spans over quite a few decades. And uh, it follows this family. Um, you know, the, they, they, find an, they find an heir and, you know, the various daughters will marry this person. Or they're, you know, they also have, what I like, I think the best about it is that it has the divide. There's 
the family, which is part of the upper class in England, and then there's the lower class, their servants that they have. Yeah, so you have essentially everybody living in the same house, this beautiful, beautiful house. And I guess you can go there and uh, take a tour of the place. And I also heard that, that they had somebody always on site that was very good in terms of knowledge about the do's and the don'ts of the time. Hmm. And so if you watch it, uh, they're very precise about what they do and what they don't do, especially, especially upstairs. And that's in relationship to how the servants were, um, but also in relationships how the, the upper class were with, with each other. It was especially interesting if you're American because we never sort of had a class system exactly like the English did, especially not back in that day, which, you know, people were very much divided along class lines and even national lines. I think one of the, the subplots revolves around the Irish. One of the daughters marries an Irish man. Yeah, he's a great, great character. The guy who, who comes in, uh, Tom, uh, Sybil marries Tom, which I think kind of breaks the family's heart because he's the chauffeur. Yeah. And he's Irish. And he's and Catholic. He's Catholic <laughs> which is when they baptize their baby Catholic and they're taking pictures. It is one of the best scenes in the whole thing. Some of the remarks that they make. It's pretty entertaining. Right. But there's, of course, uh, a deeper theme to it. And I think you had mentioned this one time, um, just sort of offhand. And it, it really got me thinking because I'd never pictured the series in that way before. And you mentioned that the whole show is sort of... Uh, the main theme is stewardship. It is. It's a great theme of stewardship because, and I think if you look, if you look at it, uh, first and foremost through uh, maybe the responsibilities or duties or the eyes of Lord Grantham, who is uh, prayed by uh, Robert Crowley. He's great, great in this. Uh, uh, no, no. Yeah, I think yeah, it's Robert Crowley. No, Hugh, Hugh Bonneville's again. Oh yeah, 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 Hugh Bonneville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hugh Bonneville. And um, if you look at it through his eyes, you know, essentially, um, you know, he's essentially he owns the place and um, he's responsible for everyone. He's responsible for everybody upstairs as well as everybody downstairs. And he's really responsible for their welfare. And so if you look at it from his point of view, he's really called to be a good steward of every, everything that's entrusted to his care. And a lot of it, you know, it... Uh, uh, how things work, but not only how things work, but how people's lives are played out and how secure they felt. Uh, they feel go back, to, go back to the Lord of of uh, of Downton Abbey, and so if you think about like the the notion of stewardship, if we think of maybe a, from a biblical perspective, we go back to the the very beginning. The Lord creates everything, and then what He does is He He invites man to be a good steward of things. And probably a good word that we might even understand a little better in our modern times is manager. Um, you don't necessarily own it. It's not necessarily yours. But you're called to be a good steward or a good manager of things. And if we're a good manager of things, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to um, treat them well. And then we're going to also produce good fruit. So like the scriptures say, 30 or 60 or 100 fold. That's what a good steward is. And, and so... A good steward is somebody who, who realizes what he has is not his own. And so everything that he has, everything he's able to do, uh, everything ultimately goes back to God. And so it's entrusted to one's care. And because of that, they're, they're called to uh, treat these things very well. 
and uh, to be good stewards of them. We think about the, the talents, right? Um, you have the, the two good stewards, then the talents, and then you have the one who thinks, well, I thought you were kind of harsh and all these different things. And so um, what, is the, what does the owner say? Does, you know, take what he has, give them, give them to the others who treated him well, and, uh, and he doesn't have, very good out, very, have a very good outcome. Yeah, and I, I like it too how they draw parallels between, um, you know, he and his wife, who's American and sort of is a partner with him in the stewardship. And then they're, they're not shy about sometimes showing other uh, upper-class people and that they sometimes are not as careful as he is. So like a servant might interview, uh, decide, you know, I don't want to work here anymore. Like I think Thomas at one point tries to interview with someone else and realizes that they mistreat their servants or that it's a, it's a tough situation, you know. So they, they allow them to be fully, you know, he makes mistakes, uh, Lord Grantham. You know, there's the, the whole subplot with the managing of the farms and everything. But, um, I, yeah, like, like what, I think one of my favorite scenes is the one where one of their their cook needs eye, new, uh, needs like eye surgery or yes. glasses. And she's so, de- she's so, you know, terrified that if she lets them know that she, you know, her eyes aren't doing well, they're going to fire her. And instead they step up and they pay for her surgery. You know, it's a great scene. I guess Mrs. Patmore. Mrs. Patmore, yeah. Mrs. Patmore. <laughs> the the kitchen in itself is very entertaining, and the and the Daisy that works for Mrs. Patmore, yeah, she's terrified because this is her livelihood. This is how she survives, and she's worried that she's going to be out on the street, and uh, and so yeah, that that's a great a great point, and you yeah you do see other people who are called to be good stewards, maybe the 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 upper class that aren't as good to their people. And uh, that's kind of sad, but with Lord Grantham, he's a good man, and he has a great concern, um, whether it's, uh, oh, who's it, uh, Mr. Bates, right? One of my favorite characters. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Bates is a very, very likable person. And, um, and so you have somebody who he welcomes into the house, even though he has a disability. I think he got that in the war. And, um, and he welcomes him in the house, and he treats him very well. I think he's his valet. And uh, he treats him very, very well. But you see him doing that with, with everyone. And, you know, we, we, we all have heard stories, and maybe we, we've, um, we've had not treated people that maybe worked with us, treated them well. And um, I think the lesson that we learn here is, you know, first of all, charity, uh, generosity, and to realize that um, maybe if somebody works for her, we don't necessarily own that person. And we're called to be a, a good boss, um, uh, a good steward ultimately in this and Lord Grantham's a, a great example of that so it's it's you know if we look at it in terms of stewardship maybe if somebody has a problem with it uh, like my mom uh, not only did she have a problem with it that it didn't end um, and that it kind of leaves all these cliffhangers but she had a difficult time looking at the, the differences in the class and I, I you know I, I think I explained to her till I was blue in the face I'm like, Mom, you, if you watch it, you can see that there are really good people and there's some good virtue that comes in there. Now, there's also people that, that don't have good virtue. Yeah. And, uh, but what you see, too, I think, is you see, um, you see this uh, changing in generations, too, slowly but surely. Um, Mrs. Crowley, played by Maggie Smith, who's awesome. Well, that's, uh, that's Dowager County. Dowager County. That's it. That's yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. And and so that's it. So she, <laughs> she also one of the best characters. She's part of the old guard, and she doesn't understand some of these new things, 
And, um, and then as you kind of move forward with the next generation, uh, he doesn't necessarily understand some of these new things. But you're seeing this, this change of times, change in generations, and, and change in difference in, in doing things as well. Yeah, I almost feel like that's all you need to recommend it is Maggie Smith is in it. You know, it's a, she always plays these great characters. Um, I like how there's layers to the stewardship as well. So it's not just that there's Lord Grantham who's in charge of the whole house, but there's the um, the head butler, um, and I forget what Carson. is it? Carson. And so he's kind of the head of all the servants downstairs, and he can be harsh sometimes. I think he has like this just blinding loyalty to Lord Grantham, but at the same time, they let him show his compassionate side as well. You know, he's not he's not some monster, and he does deep down care for the servants as well, you know? So there's these layers to the stewardship, yeah. which I like. There is, yeah, so you, yeah, you do have the steward upstairs, and you do have the steward downstairs, and then you have multiple layers, you know, upstairs and downstairs as well. But everyone in somehow, some fashion, is called to be a good steward. So even if you think about not only somebody who works under somebody, but if you think about the duty or the job that's entrusted to someone's care. And, you know, um, whether it's somebody like Daisy, who's kind of one of the sub-cooks of, of the kitchen, you know, she has a particular job to do. And um, she wants to do it well, right? She wants, wants to do it well. Meaning that the gifts that she has, that she's using them to the best of her ability. And then you have somebody like, uh, like Thomas, who starts out as kind of a bad guy, and uh, over periods of time he starts to, to lighten up and you start to see a bit of a softer side, and you start to see him caring about other people. So I think what you, you could say, he becomes a better steward of his time. So his time he's not using to plot against everybody and to ruin everyone's life. Um, and, so, and he's always trying to get ahead, that seems to be his, his own concern. But over a period of time, you know, he starts to care about other people, so he's using his time wisely. And then he's also, over a period of time, he's also concerned with the people that either work uh, with him or work for him, work under, underneath him. And so I think that's a great, great way to, to see that as well. Do you have a favorite character from the show? I easily. My favorite character is Tom. Tom's by far my favorite character. Um, he's the Irish guy. He's the Catholic guy. He was the chauffeur. He was the guy that that uh, that bumped up, you know, kind of rose up. And he's the one that marries Sybil. Yeah. And I I think probably one of the there's a kind of a subplot that this is this is probably one of my favorite things is that and it happens with Mary and Tom, and because again spoiler alert, both of their spouses die. So it's tragic how they both die, and I think it's really neat to see that um, Sybil and Matthew make Mary and Tom better people. And I, I think that's a great way to see that in terms of, of, of our own relationships, but, a bit, but especially with marriage. You know, the primary thing that a husband is in entrusted with is to help to get his wife uh, to heaven, and the same with his wife or husband. But then also, um, you know, that to see that they do make each other better, that they complement one another. But that was kind of my favorite little subplot uh, in, in all those things, how, how Matthew made Mary better, because she could be a, a little mean. And, um, and I think that, that Sybil made Tom maybe a little more confident. And I, I thought that was beautiful. And it, and it helped him to understand his place in the family, too. He always understood his origin, where he came from, who he was. 
And again, this is a Catholic podcast, and so I thought it was very cool that he was Catholic as Irish as well. I thought yeah. it was pretty neat. And, you know, in the way he calmed down, because in the beginning few seasons, he's all about, you know, uh, pro-Irish revolutionaries oh, yeah. in, like, the violent way, you know, and he, he hates the, the British aristocracy. And then he kind of comes to realize, you know, he never forgets who he is or, sure. or in love of his country, but he kind of comes to realize that there can be good people. All because of Sybil. Times. Yeah. Yeah, all because of Sybil. Yeah. And like you said, the same thing with with, uh, with Matthew. I always thought it was kind of a shame that that actor decided to leave because it would have been interesting to see where that plot went. But he was a great character. Yeah. Very likable character. And I... I, my, I think my favorite episodes in all of the, every year was always the Christmas episode. And Christmas is my favorite time of the year anyways, but um, I thought it was they were always kind of beautiful and there was always some nice little story, somebody proposing to someone or somebody coming back and nice little reunion, things like that. Yeah. Do you have a character that you feel is a good example? I mean, there's no real out-and-out out villains on the show, but somebody who is a good antagonist as far as they portray how not to act. How not to act? Yeah. Like someone who... was there? Is there someone that you disliked for particular reasons? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe there were, there were people that I, I disliked in terms of Thomas. I mentioned Thomas, yeah. but he kind of has a change of heart. Uh, Mary could be really nasty, but... And it takes her a while. It takes her a while to kind of come around, especially with her sister Edith. Yeah. She, was, she was nasty with Edith. And she almost kind of reveled in, because Edith just just can't seem to get it together. Ultimately, she does, though. It's got a beautiful little story. But she kind of reveled in her, her sister's, <laughs> yeah, in, in her failures. Um, so there, there were people like that, I would say, that... Uh, that um, yeah, that's probably a good example. Yeah, and I like um, they. She was only there for a few se- uh, episodes. Like Shirley MacLaine, I think, was like the 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 aunt or the American aunt who comes over, and she you know her character is hilarious, but also a little abrasive. You know, she was. <laughs> she played that well. She <laughs> played that very well. Yeah. Um, so as we kind of move into the end of the podcast here, is there? A particular reason. I mean, we've talked about the stewardship. Are there other reasons that you recommend? people watch the show, especially because, you know, a, a, a show, a five-season-long show about the British aristocracy definitely doesn't sound like something for everyone. So why especially would you... Especially Americans. Yeah, yeah. So why why do you think that this was such a huge hit? I mean, for something on PBS, of all places, sure. it, it was a smash hit. So why do you... What do you think speaks to us? Well, I think one of the things is it is so foreign to us, literally so foreign to us. And I think there was a bit of a fascination, at least for us. I mean, people watched it all around the world. But I think there's a fascination in that, this very, very foreign and different way of life to us. And to be able to see this interaction, the upper class and the lower class, and how they they kind of all work together. And then I think the other thing was the character development was just incredible. And to see, you know, the virtue and the vice in different people's lives. And, you know, I thought that was very, very good. And then drama. We all love drama, right? You had your good people and you had your bad people and you had the people who were always kind of conniving and try to go around other people's back and is usually the really good person and the good person was usually oblivious to that. That seems to be uh, kind of a central theme in all these things. And so it, it, it leaves you with a lot of cliffhangers. It leaves you waiting for, for next week. And if you don't want to wait for next week, you can always just go online and just binge watch it, which I highly recommend as well. Yeah. And of course, you know, the, when people do finally get together, it's great. Like uh, 
Bates and Anna was awesome when they finally got together and started a family. And then, you know, Carson and Mrs. Hughes yeah. was a little surprising. But it, it's kind of sweet, you know, when you when they, when they finally come together. It was. And I think even in both of those, it's another example of showing how, um, you know, the, the complementary theory. I don't know if it's a theory. Um, John Paul II used to talk about that, especially in Theology of the Body. But I think that's that's a great way to see that. But also how they make each other better. Yeah. And um, I, I just thought that was beautiful. I reflected upon that with my own parents, with my mother and father. And they did. They, they, they made uh, each other better. And uh, to steal a line from Jerry Maguire, you know, you complete me. And so uh, I think we're able to see that play out. <laughs> awesome. All right. So uh, for the few people who haven't seen it, um, or maybe you didn't know what it was about, it's highly recommended, like we said. Um, so we, uh, you, I'm sure you can catch it. I don't, it used to be on Netflix. It's not anymore, but there's many places you can watch it. And um, as always, if you have any follow-up questions, comments, please uh, send them to us. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks again for uh, another episode. Thanks and God bless.
Just won't fight 